You're listening to Colored Lens. I'm Aria Collins, and in this episode, we're going to talk about blockbuster films and understanding the method behind them. Once we break down what a blockbuster film is, we're going to look at Jordan Peele's film, Us, to break down its meaning and determine if it was a blockbuster film. So, first of all, I have this bad habit of saying so, and I promise you I'm going to cut it out. So let's see. Oh my god, I did it again. Anyways, what exactly is a blockbuster? I'm sure immediately you're thinking those blockbuster stores back in the day where you would go get a movie or whatever the case may be. I never been to one. Um, you know that like blue and yellow sign, that thingy, the blockbuster stores. Fun fact, there's actually still a last one remaining, and it's mainly like a tourist attraction. You can look it up, you can Google it or whatever, because that's not what we're here to talk about, and that's not what a blockbuster is. So have you seen films like um, Jaws, uh, Jurassic World, um, Avengers, even Black Panther, like all those like big action films, um, Despicable Me, those minions, I don't like the minions so sorry not sorry but those are just examples and those are all blockbusters a blockbuster is a film that's a spectacular and it doesn't necessarily have to be great it has a big bang and it becomes the talk of the town and everyone wants to go see it brief history i know this is not history class but basically Blockbusters began with the film Jaws, actually. So it was that 1975 movie where people got killed by sharks. And if you haven't seen it, please go see it. It's pretty cool. But yes, so with the way Jaws was sold, it changed how the entertainment industry decided to distribute and develop movies. So a blockbuster film is all about marketing. It needs to be that talk of the town. Marketing is what generates films at the box office. A lot, if not majority, of blockbuster films will be spent in marketing alone. Well, I mean, their percentage, their like overall budget. So, for example, um, a film that costs a hundred million, forty million alone is going to be spent in marketing. That's almost fifty percent of the movie. Another aspect of blockbusters are those trailers. Let me tell you. Those trailers need to be so good that you would want to go to see it. You're not going to question if, but, and you want to go see it. It literally will put some butts in those seats. Like, that's the goal. Besides their marketing efforts and having, like, this banging trailer, a blockbuster itself may be filled with a lot, a lot of action, right? And very little dialogue. While throwing in... Hmm, wait for it, a good movie star, a well-known movie star. The material doesn't necessarily matter. What drives this type of business is the attachment to see the film and the star power. So basically there's that, hairs with the film. Basically there's that high production cost with the hopes of good returns. Going along that concept of a lot of different action and very little dialogue, Blockbusters love to make use of very expensive special effects. 
1B in Jurassic World. What was it? Fallen Kingdom? I think that was the last like Jurassic World I saw. And uh, the use of advanced technology. But why? Why so many all CGI's, all these things? They don't really use green screens like that anymore. You know, we stepping it up. But why? Because they want their product to be different from other like film and media competition. They want it to be great. They want it to be boom, like in your face. Wow. A blockbuster special effects won't be seen in a movie made for TV. If it does, that's rare. That's very rare because. It needs to make back that blockbuster type of money. But you never know. Things are changing and somebody might just be the first to do it. Okay, before you try to come at me for saying little dialogue in a lot of the different blockbuster films, let me explain what, what I meant by little dialogue and lots of action. It doesn't mean they're like not talking at all. What it just means is that the narrative... The narrative. Y'all know I'm a Caribbean girl. Anyways... The storyline is usually simple. That's what it means. It's not going to be like complex or have some big, great, complicated plot trying to figure things out. It's deep. It's usually just put you in one set of mood. You get the picture. You get the point. You know what's going on. And anyone could go in and get the gist of it. Like it's nothing too complicated. And I'm still going to use the word majority because we are seeing blockbuster films making those changes so you could argue with me and i welcome those type of conversations and arguments of course long story short blockbusters are made as must-see films and my last final fact about these blockbuster films is that blockbusters usually tend to come out in the summer why because that's when the network's competition is weaker and people are more willing to go out and, you know, youngsters have more time, like schools out and things like that. So if you need a good summer date, you know, you're going to have some movies to go see. Just saying. Anyways, so now that we broke down what exactly is a blockbuster, not the blue and yellow store thingy. A blockbuster is a big spectacular, those big films with the big use of special effects little action um little action little dialogue a lot of action special effects a great movie star and a banging trailer like now that we have that in mind let's just talk about us let's just let's just talk so why am i even breaking down a blockbuster film if i said i wanted to talk about us i'm doing it because as a consumer I want us to like just understand us by Jordan Peele the movie by the way and all its elements because there's just some people saying it's such a great film I love it oh my god this is amazing and there's some people saying like I hate it I mean to be honest the people that are saying they hate it it breaks it breaks my heart a little bit I'm team I love it but I'm gonna explain to you why some people might not appreciate appreciate it more than others. But before that, let's just talk about the different meanings and my own theories on us. I know a lot of people wanted to hear what I had to say. And uh, as uh, a little spoiler, there will, will be spoilers. You know, I try not to spoil things for you, but for this one, we got to spoil it because I have to break it down. And I didn't really Google it. You know, you could Google it to buzz your brains and stuff. I didn't want to just because... I think the point of the film is for you to kind of 
pick up on your own theories and create your own meaning and have conversation with other people around you and i mean of course you should google it maybe you want to have conversations with people on twitter or on people on a blog post things like that on my blog post maybe you want to talk about it on my platforms right so of course you're going to google to find that information but i didn't like google specifically what things meant because i just wanted to give my thoughts out there and then look back at it which i think i'll do but let's okay let's talk about it let's talk about all these symbols let's just get to the point so let's talk about all these symbols and the meanings because wow just wow just wow you go into that film like what 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 is going on so yeah like i said these are going to be my theories and not necessarily what the internet has to say I also want to encourage you to make your own theories, then read what everyone else has to say, you know, because it's kind of cool to see what you came up, came about and then see what other people have to say, or maybe like an expert on what Jordan Peele himself had to say, because that's what I did towards the end. Okay, Aria, let's talk about us. Okay, we're going to get there. Overall, right? The film is about having that double meaning. In everything but I personally feel like you can make way more than just two meanings I think it's just a film that allows you to dig and think about what is actually going on like point-blank period the first thing that stood out to me was hands across America 1986 right so the film begins with that commercial and look I wasn't born as yet you know I'm young 1996 so my first time watching it i paid it no mind actually i think me and my friend we were like two minutes late so we actually missed that commercial so i saw us twice by the way so it wasn't until the second time i was like oh that's what we missed you would think you're not supposed to miss a minute of this film so i had to do my homework on that one and basically what hands across america is um well it was a benefit event it was like this campaign where um approximately 6.5 million people held hands in a human chain for 15 minutes along a path across the united states it happened may 25th 1986 Hmm. would have been crazy if the film was released in may right like may 25th so now that i know that information i had to do my homework on that one i'm like okay but then we also saw like the car sticker holding hands and the doppelganger holding hands and i was like okay what does all that mean okay you continue reading more i had to do your homework on this one the goal of that campaign was to fight homelessness and hunger but just think about what it means when you're like holding hands right you ever hold hands in like elementary school or something to me holding hands is a sense of community and unity so if you look at that opening in the film and then you look at that ending once again where the doppelgangers completed their goal it seems like i mean they're going across the united states doesn't it maybe show that any community class race gender no matter if you're considered in the bottom, considered in the top, okay, maybe you're considered a minority versus privilege, whatever the case may be, we can all fight to rise to that occasion as a sense of community and achieve our goals. That's just my hands of America meaning, right? 
you can argue with me, of course. Another thing, so I'm gonna, I'm not pointing it out plot by, like plot by plot, storyline, storyline. I'm pl- I'm pointing it out based on the symbols. I'm not gonna go like this happened and that happened because I can't do that with the film us. So I'm just gonna go by symbols. So another thing that stood out to me as well was the rabbits. Oh my gosh, weren't they just adorable? Did anyone notice this? My sister is actually the one that pointed it out to me when I watched it a second time. So in the opening. There were many, 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 many white rabbits, but we saw very few like brown and darker rabbits. Could that possibly be a symbol of the concept of privilege? I don't know. I really don't. And then if you also look at Zora, um, the, the daughter, Lupita's daughter, Adeline's, I'm sorry, I'm just so used to using her actual name her first shirt that she was wearing was a bunny and i didn't even notice it until the second time like i didn't even really pay attention to what she was wearing and even in that scene where adeline the normal normal lupita holds onto that toy bunny when she gets back to the beach house she like Holds onto it, watches it, adores it. But Red, which is like the doppelganger, the, do- the doppelganger, the doppelganger. Anyways, Red rips the head off, like so angry. Now, if you've seen it, I'm spoiling it. You know that they got swapped. So looking back after seeing the film. You can see that Red faces more anger and pain with the rabbit versus the real the real Lupita who shares that joy that she doesn't even have to eat raw rabbits anymore. And just saying. There's many other ways to also look at this damn rabbit. If you look at it from a holiday perspective, Easter is near. April 21st to be exact. So we're all already thinking about that Easter bunny. So maybe there's a correlation there. Um, If you're Christian, you're most likely probably following Lent and you're keeping up. And uh, sorry, I don't really know the specific details. But it could just be a coincidence or it could also be something that's done on purpose. Because Lent started... Lent definitely started before this movie was uh, filmed because I am Christian, but non-denominational. We're not going to talk about me right now, but I said I was going to give something up for Lent, but I didn't. I said I was giving up wine, but that's really hard, really, really hard. I'm trying. So even if you look at it from that holiday perspective with Easter and the Easter Bunny, you don't really dig deep into religion, religion, religion. I had to do my homework for this one because I told you I don't keep up as much as I should or as much as I would like to. But if you also look at it from that religious perspective in Judaism, actually, that's what came up. It wasn't even Christianity. In Judaism, the rabbit is considered an unclean animal because what sorry if i pronounce anything wrong though it chews the cud it does not have a divided hoof that's it from a judaism perspective but if you look at it from a spiritual lens maybe not a specific religion the rabbit as a spiritual animal has always been a symbol of abundance and fertility they're cute cuddly and very approachable and then so out of all animals 
Why, why do they have to eat the raw bunnies? Well, I think for Jordan Peele himself that says that because rabbits, they reproduce quickly. So that just makes actual sense. Like it was easy for them to get easy abundance. They need the food. So who knows? Just goes to show you, you really can't create your own theory because Peele said he chose the rabbits because... He thinks they're cute, but they're also kind of creepy. And then he liked their little ears that matches with the whole concept of the scissors they were using to um, kill people. But look at us, like, looking at it from a religious perspective, a spiritual perspective, a holiday perspective, a um, privileged perspective. There's just so many other ways we could look at it when, in, when not in reality, but when Peel himself is just like, to me, it was a cute animal. But... I'm sure he has a deeper message that he wants to send, but in his interviews, he's just going to be like, yeah, it was just a cute animal. He wants us to think and make our own story. Your sponsorship message will go right here. If you are interested in sponsoring Colored Lens, which is a podcast that share media stories through a colored lens, please reach out. This platform is a space where our audience can learn something new about the media industry and pop culture through our episodes, weekly blogs, and chats. If you are interested or would like to hear more information, please use the contact form listed on our website, color-lens.com. Thank you. Okay, so let's talk about their clothing. So when you look at the choice of clothing, which is very important when you're making a film, fun fact, they don't just throw on some clothes and tell them to film something. Like, there's meaning behind each item and each color, each tone, each material, and all that jazz. But even if you look at that, so we saw Zora in that bunny shirt. We saw Jason wearing a Jaws shirt. We saw young Adelaide. Did I say her name right? Correct me if I'm wrong. Then come, you know, contact and read. Um, contact me wearing that thriller shirt and then we saw the doppelgangers in red and just to think about these different things let's break it down with Jaws first what Jason is wearing so Jaws is also an NBC Universal film which us was NBC Universal as well so I just almost saw it as like a cross promotion but when you go into like a deeper meaning and you look at all the items they were wearing it can all just simply be pop culture references things that were a hit we just talk about jaws being the first blockbuster um i mean thriller did really well i don't think it had anything to, anything to do with that documentary like the production time just wouldn't add up go listen to episode two about documentaries creating a social change by the way but i don't think it had anything to do with michael jackson's um documentary at all just him liking his talent and his work and knowing that it wasn't a success um, red is usually a color that means like power, success, domination. So I'm sure. And then they call themselves Americans. I mean, of course they're in red. What's the colors of the American flag? Come on, not a pop, not a pop quiz. So I just think it was like all pop culture references. Oh my gosh! But what stood out to me the most? Forget Hands Across America. Forget the rabbits. Forget everything. Jeremiah. 11-11. I was just like, whoa, right? So we all know, you might know, let me not say all, but I feel like a lot of people know that when you see the time 11-11, it means to make a wish. Like when I see 11-11, I usually make a wish, but now, mm -mm, I'm not making a wish no more. But when you really like 
go see what Jeremiah 11.11 means in the Bible itself, it says something about what? Therefore, this is what the Lord says. I will bring on them a disaster they cannot escape. Although they cry out to me, I will not listen to them. I mean, this I'm not preaching to you, but that first sentence alone, I will bring on bring on to them a disaster they cannot escape. In the end, what do we see? The doppelgangers, hands across America. It seems as though they won. So they cannot escape. They're coming. Like you, we can't just put them back in the little underground tunnel and forget about them. They cannot escape it. They're here. Then I think there was this other part in Jeremiah eleven eleven that means um, something about like evil and all that. Something I don't have the exact word for word, but I'll follow up with you. But it's definitely this aspect of like good versus evil, which is also the point of the film. So I'm just pointing out that it really could be interpreted in two ways. The evil or the tethered, the doppelgangers, who are coming for mankind and were unable to escape. I just broke that down. Or the evil is the pointless suffering, the tethered, that they have to endure for the sake of humanity. And looking more into that religion aspect of it, religion is a culture, by the way, and I'll save that for another episode, but Red, in a sense, was their god. She was literally delivering them from their misery, and I'm even going to drag it. My sister said I was dragging it for this one. I should have brought her in this episode and say that the apple that young, young Lupita had, and she literally threw it away has something to do with Eve. I mean, come on. If you know the story of Adam and Eve, you know she ate the apple from the forbidden tree. And then she threw the apple, and then she literally went wandering off when she wasn't supposed to. The forbidden apple. Come on, come on. You're telling me he didn't do that on purpose. I mean, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Okay, I keep saying everything is my favorite part, but no lie. Like, okay, I'm serious right now. My favorite, favorite part. It's not really a part. It's a theory. Don't argue with me on this one. Okay, no, I'm joking. You should argue with me. Is that Jason was swapped. I know. Yes, I said it. Here's, hear me out. They made it clear that they were there last year. So that's one thing. The dad said to um, young Lupita. Young Lupita. The dad said to his wife, Lupita, you know, the normal one. That Jason would be really disappointed if they don't go on the beach. We saw him heading straight. And then we saw him on the beach heading straight to the find yourself thing, right? And he stared directly into that Jeremiah eleven eleven guy. Who represents that same double meaning. And I just felt as though throughout the whole film, she throughout the whole film, she had a closer relationship with Jason. I mean, one thing she said was, stick with me and I'll keep you safe. I mean, come on. And he kept a rabbit. Like, probably like, okay, but how? He doesn't have the burr and blah, 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 blah. You're probably like, okay, Ari, you're not making no sense right now. Anyways. I believe that Pluto is actually human Jason who got swapped sometime before the movie started. And if you want to say, but why isn't Jason face burned? 
Um, duh. Because Pluto is human Jason who didn't know how to play with fire. But Shadow Jason probably enjoyed playing with fire. So to keep up and stay in his role, he became intrigued with fire and burned himself. The Shadow was just a professional at the flames. Or... Maybe Pluto was the one who actually did it, and since Pluto is a real Jason, he burnt his face trying to do that nonsense, and Shadow Jason wants to try it out because they are connected. They have, like we saw Red saying, when you had a baby, I had a baby, they are connected. I mean, come on. As life events were happening, so were, so were um, the Shadows. I also want to point out, actually, someone else pointed this out, I didn't even peep that. That Jason didn't really like to eat. He didn't eat much, if anything, when they arrived at the beach house. And even his cousin, like he said, kiss my anus instead of kiss my ass. And, like, Pluto was the only doppelganger that had no intention on, like, harming their other. And Jason was also the first to notice the doppelgangers. So maybe he just knew. And also, Jason could control Pluto. Isn't that wild? And all of a sudden, he can't do the magic trick anymore? Because it wasn't him that was doing the magic trick. That's just my thoughts. Okay. Crazy, crazy. But that's what Peel does to us, right? So after we broke down a few of those symbols... Symbols. After we broke down a few of those symbols, if you're still confused with what really went on in that movie, or you're looking for some simple storyline, trying to understand it... How do we get to point A to B to C? Honestly, there isn't. Just because of all the room he, just because of all the room he leaves for us to play with. However, Peel himself finally broke things down for us. I think it was after like two weeks. But I love that he still uses the word maybe. So hear this out. This is what Peel said himself. The movie is about maybe that monster being you. It's about us looking at ourselves as individuals and then once again as a group. We've been following the villain, and he says villain lightly, because I think there are many experiences experiences of the film. And I think a lot of people go through that question of what is good and what is evil. If Jordan Peele himself, right, created this storyline exposing just a bunch of questions, I think it makes sense to understand why there are simply no answers he didn't put the answers in there for you because you were meant to just watch the film and make your own why everything in life needs to have an answer why why can't you just soak something in internalize it have a conversation about it and make your own interpretations why does somebody have to feed you an answer not everything in life somebody needs to feed you something and i think that's exactly what jordan peele did and he did on purpose so let's connect it back. I wish I had a sound effect for y'all. So after we broke down what a blockbuster film is, and then we broke down um, us, would you consider it a blockbuster film? Would you? Let me list it. Let me let me tell you again. So us trailer was a hit. It definitely placed a lot of butts and seats. We saw two recognizable and successful actors from Black Panther. I mean, hello, Lupita and Winston. We had a popular song in there. I got five on it. 
And they also made it clear in the trailer that it was coming from, a, from an Academy Award winner, Jordan Peele. And it was a must-see film because we all enjoyed, or at least heard how good Get Out was. And, and everybody's like, okay, oh my god, Jordan Peele is back. Just pointing that one out. So it was as simple that they had a high production cost and saw good returns. The film actually cost $20 million to make, and they made $80 million alone from opening weekend. I stopped to um, keep track of the numbers, but from opening weekend alone, it was $80 million. And I think what would be interesting, too, is that I won't be surprised if the numbers eventually start to get uh, steady, because with blockbuster films, okay, let me not necessarily say it's a blockbuster, but with blockbuster films in general that's why i should go back and check um they do really well on opening weekend because everybody's talking about it and then a lot of people might be like oh my god it's not even that good not saying us isn't good i'm saying i'm not gonna use a film that i didn't like as an example but let's just say okay i did not fact check this let's just say despicable me right um the numbers were super high opening weekend and then people went and watch it within the first two weeks everybody's talking about it and they're like Mm, no, this film is not good. You would see that number get steady. It's not going to continue to rise, but it's going to get steady. But compared to like films like Black Panther, which was generally a blockbuster and just amazing at itself, the numbers continue to rise. But I didn't keep a track of the numbers, but just from opening weekend alone, it made $80 million and it only cost $20 million to make. They also marketed this film really, really well. We saw the cast and Jordan Peele himself at like multiple interviews on different networks. Um, some on the top of my head, uh, Lupita was at the Today Show. Um, I think Jordan Peele himself was either on Late Night with Seth Meyers or The Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon. They also did like a few things around the community. I know with Sci-Fi Wire, he had um, different artists recreate their favorite character they see from us they also held like multiple different screenings at different like local communities and colleges and things like that so they they know they were doing their marketing expenses just saying another um common trait between blockbusters and us was the jaws shirt that jason wore that could also be a symbol of both films being a blockbuster success maybe but that could just be another theory. And remember we said a blockbuster is a spectacular, but it doesn't have to be great? So, I was actually supposed to use so in this sentence. If you thought us wasn't great, that doesn't mean it wasn't spectacular. Something spectacular means dramatic and eye-catching, which is exactly what the film was. It was dramatic and eye-catching. But at the same time, there are a number of things that makes it completely different, even if we would want to consider it a blockbuster, or maybe more like a blockbuster success. A blockbuster is usually filled with a lot of action and no dialogue. We talked about this earlier. And like we mentioned, Us was all about the dialogue and the details. If you didn't pay attention and treated it like an actual blockbuster, you wouldn't enjoy the film, point blank, period. With a blockbuster, typically the material doesn't matter as well. 
and what would drive the business is that attachment to the star power so yes we had the star power with Winston Duke and Lupita but the material in this film as we broke down did matter you can't just not watch the film and not pay attention Last but not least, blockbusters tend to come out in the summer when the network's competition is weaker and because people are more willing to go out and the youngsters have more spare time. And this film did not come out in the summer, so maybe is it a blockbuster, is it not? Overall, I just wanted to point out what a blockbuster is and look at us through that colored lens. For those that enjoyed it or was even confused by it, I hope you enjoyed my theories. For those that didn't like it or was eh, about it, I hope understanding what a blockbuster film is helped a little bit. Me personally, I would call it a blockbuster success. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say it is a blockbuster, but it had, it has, it had those elements. They pulled those elements on purpose. So I'm gonna call it a blockbuster success. It succeeded like what a summer blockbuster would do. A blockbuster is all pop culture. It's for everybody to understand, regardless of your race and your gender. And what I love is that everyone is talking about us, and I think Peele took advantage of that blockbuster success like elements and platform to create some type of meaning and have you at least walk away thinking about one thing to help make this society more in maybe just a little bit better. Until then, I'm just a 22-year-old Caribbean girl that wants to take a look at the media industry through a colored lens. Please subscribe to my podcast and follow all our social platforms. So Instagram and Twitter, that is Colored Lens Pod. Facebook is Colored Lens Podcast. And check out my website, www.colored-lens.com, where you can find all our episodes and Thursday's blog posts. If you liked it, please also leave a review as it would mean a lot to me. If you want to leave your thoughts on this episode or have anything you want to talk about or you just have a question, please just send me a message on Instagram or Twitter. That's Colored Lens Pod. Or you can even visit my website, colored-lens.com. Don't forget that dash. And head straight to the Contact Us form so we can keep that conversation going anytime. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast or sending a donation because there is bills that come with keeping up a podcast, please just feel free to head to that support tab that's also listed on my website. I can't promise you what the next episode would be about because, you know, we're working with real time and real stories. Until then,